at night, adults can go out on the town on an island playground just for them. Pleasure Island. Welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 625, and together each week, we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more as I take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between here on the podcast, my weekly live video on Facebook every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, community, books, audio tours, blog, and more. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and find everything else at www.radio.com. So I'm going to answer more of your questions from the inbox this week, including the history of Tinkerbell's magic Cinderella castle flight, the great movie ride, what could have been, the Spaceship Earth mystery finally solved, Kyber Crystals, the legend, myth, and reality of Dark Kingdom and the villains attraction land or fifth park that almost was. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information, updates, details about our Marvel Day at Sea cruise, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Time to open up the email inbox once again and answer your questions to help you plan, prepare, and just answer any or all of your pressing questions about where to go, what to do, where to eat, of course, and the how, why, where and when about what's new, what's next, or even fun facts about Disney history, details, trivia, and really anything that you like. And joining me once again as I open up the inbox is she's not the Scarlet Witch or even the sea witch, she's somebody who still doesn't wait for the end credit scene in Marvel movies. She is, of course, it it was Becky Mankin all along, and she loves little children too. (laughs) Becky Mankin, Chief Princess Creative Officer from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, welcome back. Why didn't I see that coming? Why wasn't I all prepared for for something ready, witchy for you? Just to make you feel so much more comfortable in the space you're sitting in. How could we not be mentally in the... Listen, are you still thinking about the ship of Theseus? You know, is it still the same ship? Question? Seriously, I I am still trying to process everything that I saw. I stayed up till midnight because here's the benefit of being on the West Coast. It dropped it at 12.01. So I got to watch it at midnight and I sat there with my jaw on the floor because... 
clearly none of my predictions came true. Wait, don't. This is a spoiler I'm not, free. Right? I, is spoiler I am free. not. I am not going to say what my predictions were. I'm just going to own it right now that none of my predictions came true. That's that's all I'm saying. No and I'm, matter what, uh, WandaVision has been a uh, a lot of fun and it's it getting has. people thinking and, and talking, I think, in ways that we haven't done since Lost and probably Lost. nobody has, has Googled the, the name Theseus as much as they have been <laughs> in the past week. Right. Um, I will admit when I heard that, it was like, I'm going to need to do a little more research on that one, I can tell, because... Uh, what so you if you're listening and aren't sure we're talking about the, the no spoilers, the, it's not a spoiler. This is this is, you know, meso- metaphysical, philosophical stuff. Um, the ship of Theseus is basically the story that um, if you take a ship and the wood starts to rot and you start replacing the wood plank by plank and piece by piece and then eventually have all new wood in that ship, is it still the same ship that you may have heard a similar story um, Washington's axe or your grandfather's axe is a similar story where because Washington's axe, if you replace the head and you replace the handle, is it still Washington's axe? So speaking of ships, <laughs> my favorite philosopher actually was Comicus. So he coalesces wow. the vapor of the human experience into a viable and logical comprehension. What movie is that from? Did, did you just Google that? No. <laughs> what movie is that from? I have no idea. Clearly, I'm a I have no idea. Stand-up philosopher. If history of the world Seriously? part one. Anyway, wow. anyway, don't worry, Becky. Uh, room, I am going. Hey, I, I, a room I, filled with empty people. What movie? What? A room filled with empty people. What movie? Oh, it's so much fun to get you back on the other no, side. I have no idea what you're talking about. Seriously? Uh, the Sword in the Stone. Uh, One hundred and two Dalmatians. Murder by death. Oh, I love Murder by <gasps> Death. God, I haven't seen that in ages. It's it's, it's funny. I, it's I just not a clue, it. but it wants to be. Anyway, listen, I promise, you, I, I promise you that the listener email questions will be easier for you than these philosophical, at least I hope that they will be. Um, you should and- throw me the things that I know really intimately now, like when when is DCL going to sail or <laughs> are, are vaccines going to be you know required for a cruise? Anything that I've had to, to deal with now for the past couple of weeks or I don't know, a year <laughs> would be great. Well, if you listener have questions, we will have the answer. So if you have a question you'd like us to answer on an upcoming show, you can just email me lou at www.radio.com. And Becky always asks me to send her questions in advance, which I don't do um, a few I guess it was a few nuts. months ago I said you know we didn't have time to prepare ahead of time I says Becky I'm just going to open up the inbox we're just going to sort of wing it and I sort of loved it because I felt it was the most incredibly fully authentic and transparent and fun kind of way to do it so I'm going to hit you Becky right out of the gate with the Great. very first question um <laughs> What would a room made out of mirrors look like if there was nothing inside the room to create? A room? As long as we're talking about paradoxical questions, I figured we would kick it off with something just like that. Mephisto, my my name. It's Mephisto. It's it's absolutely positively Mephisto. FYI. Just All right, saying. let's instead get to a question from Jay Stubblefield, who says, "Hey Lou, hope you've been taking care of yourself in these crazy times, and won't mind me asking an off the wall question, which is exactly why I picked this one." out jay uh my mom passed away a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. i am so very sorry and i found old photos of a family trip to walt disney world in about 1974 that's me in the classic plaid shorts i noticed 
there's no Tinkerbell flying wire yet coming out of Cinderella Castle. I tried to Google when it was added, but no luck. Do you know? I figured if anybody does, it would be you. Thanks for all you do. My daughter and I still remember how gracious you were when we got to meet you in Magic Kingdom. Jay, uh, Jay, I'm, I have this very puzzled look on my face, and you're saying hmm. flying wire? And I have no... Wait, oh Jay is talking about the wire that you may <laughs> see in Magic Kingdom that connects from one of the spires on Cinderella Castle down to a rooftop in Tomorrowland. Um, that is not a flying wire. That is Cinderella's cable TV hookup. Um, oh, right. I always uh, wondered what that was. Right. Sometimes she hangs her clothes out there, but normally it's just because um, obviously <laughs> Tinkerbell clearly flies from the castle out to Tomorrowland, the same way that Dumbo really flies out in Disneyland. But to answer your question, uh, I don't think um, Tinkerbell, quote unquote, got cable until somewhere in the 80s or so here in Walt Disney World. Now, she actually flew over Disneyland's Sleeping Beauty Castle in California, I think 1960, 61, somewhere around there was the first time. She didn't start flying here until about 1985. Um, just took a little while to, to get out here. Uh, and originally, it wasn't meant to be something that Tinkerbell did every night. It was meant to be something that was uh, special for the holidays. It was sort of like the special holiday Tinkerbell appearance. But because it was met with such an overwhelming response, they decided to make it a permanent fixture of the show every night. I think wish is it was during wishes was when it first started. But yeah, that did pay no attention to the man behind the curtain or the wire on the castle because that is her cable TV. Okay. <laughs> That's a hard one to follow up on because, you know, clearly there's backstory there that I'm not going to touch with a 10 foot wire. And I had no idea when that started. So, <laughs> All right. Let's um, let me dodge this bullet. This is and why move I on to, to good, good call. Good call. Move on to Brian Ford's question. <laughs> and he starts off. And the reason why I'm picking this and I don't know where it's going, but Brian's subject line says this could have saved the Great Movie Ride. Ooh. It says, Lou, I just found the podcast. I'm equal parts thrilled to have something to awesome to listen to. Thank you. And devastated that it took me this long to find it. I love everything so far. Thank you. And I've had a recurring thought recently and would love to hear your thoughts. We know that the closure of the Great Movie Ride was caused at least in part due to a Disney wanting to get rid of things that have IP in it that they don't own which stinks, but was understandable. The ball was rolling on its closure well before Disney was planning to buy 21st Century Fox. So my question to you is, do you think if the timing was different and Fox would have been acquired prior to the closure of the great movie ride, we would have simply seen a rebranding of it, maybe keeping a few of the classic MGM IP, but having the majority still being Disney, Marvel, Star Wars with some 20th, Century Fox, which also has obviously a substantial movie library. Would love to hear your thoughts and keep up the awesome work on the show. Uh, P.S. As we're mentioning non-Disney IP in Hollywood studios, if we ever lose the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, I will riot. So <laughs> this was actually a, it's an interesting it's question good. as we, we mm -hmm. look back on history with the great movie ride itself and then how, if in any way, the acquisition of 20th Century Fox did or potentially would have changed 
which I think is an interesting way to to to, to look at this bill is is would this have changed any decisions possibly to close the great movie ride? And my initial thought, Becky, is 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 no. I, I don't necessarily think that had Disney acquired because I don't think it was from a lack of IP to draw from that is what predicated the the closure of great movie ride um and and not to go way off tangent because i think this could be almost be an entire show or discussion but you know great movie ride was not just the 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 icon of the park when it opened but really and i think sometimes people forget this this it also introduced some of those initial shifts in uh, a more engaging and immersive type experience. You know, the, the blending of live actors into the attraction itself, different than something like a Jungle Cruise, really, it, it was sort of the, the the predecessor of something like, you know, a, a Rise of the Resistance, right? Where there was right. a, a live human element component of it. But I think, um, I think this had less to do with properties to draw inspiration from as opposed to just a, not just the fact that the the attraction itself was getting dated uh, and starting to show it, I think, uh-huh. but, um, uh, you know, needed to be updated in, in a way other than just swapping out movie scenes. Yeah, absolutely. I For years, we'd actually been hearing a lot of rumors that they were going to update this scene or that scene or go in and and bring um, movies into that ride or into that experience that people could uh, better associate with or, or, or better um, recognize because clearly there's movies in there that today's generation were like, what's that? <laughs> and for me, just getting rid of the alien out of the ceiling, if they would have just done that, that would have improved it like 20 times. But if you think of the the difference in animatronics right now from um, from the Ripley that you go past her and it was just horrible in comparison to what technology does now, they would have had to have done something. They would have had to bring down the entire thing and, and come up with new scenes from movies that were more relatable uh, to the current generations or do what they ended up doing, which was bring it back to, um, to Mickey and Minnie, which again, I love the fact that they did that because Mickey never had his own ride. So, and, and, you know, sad side note, that was the last um, time that I was in Walt Disney world in the park was for that press event that happened just about a year ago right now. Yeah. And I think once you start trying to swap out scenes in an attraction like that, you are almost painting yourself into a corner of having to try and keep an attraction relevant and interesting for an ever-changing audience and and different age ranges. You know, look, that's why Carousel of Progress is sort of locked very much where it is. I, I wouldn't call it timeless. It's sort of classic and it is where it is because if you start trying to update that final scene, that Carousel is going to be closed all the time because what's new technology or futuristic technology today is going to be eclipsed and by the time the attraction is done. Yeah, and I, think, I don't know. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know how you feel, but the last couple of times I was on it, and the kids are sitting behind me going, who's the guy in the horse, mommy? It's like, wait, what? <laughs> how old am I now? There was definitely a problem. I'm going to hope that there. that was a rhetorical question because I refused <laughs> to answer. But I think, 
I think to, to sort of answer that question and come full circle, I think part of the reason why was not necessarily because of the movie scenes that were being depicted or an inability to figure out. I mean, because look, I think there's the question, you know, what scenes do you put in there, right? How you right. Now you have this even grander library and obviously we can't use Marvel and, and Star Wars is, is represented elsewhere in the park. But how do you start picking scenes from what movie? What makes the list yeah. and what doesn't? But I think it really represents more of this overarching shift in Disney's Hollywood studios as a whole, because this the the park has been, I don't want to say intentionally or unintentionally, but the studio part of Disney's Hollywood studios has been starting to fall away because it's not about it being this real working studio anymore. Galaxy's Edge is a place. It is a planet. Mm -hmm. It is a destination that you go to. The lines of what was on stage and backstage have been blurred or in many cases even been erased, right? So if you used to go to Backlot Express, there used to be a guard shack there and there you can still see the different colors of the pavement, pavement representing what was on stage and what was backstage. And because the park is no longer a, a working studio, nothing is being filmed there. There's no television shows that are going on there. The, the park is not contributing to animated projects anymore, the way that it used to be. I mean, look, even, you know, Magic at Disney Animation closed back in 2015, I believe. But if you look at the park now, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and look back at maps from 1989, 1990, 1994, even as, as some of the expansion was going on, all of the aspects that represented the original studio theme, right? Backlock tour, lights, motors, action, um, the extreme shunt stunt show, all of these things that celebrated, you know, the Hollywood that never was and always will be, to, to quote Michael right. Eisner, have started to be slowly eliminated. And do you remember, Becky Mankin, when Disney announced at D23 Expo that a new name for the studio <gasps> yes. is coming? And and we still I hope don't you have haven't it. been holding your breath because <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I, I was going to say that because because yeah. the the name doesn't do it justice of what it's becoming or or what it is today. So why haven't we seen that name change? Do you right. think? Right, right, because we're we are not celebrating old Hollywood except in certain sections. We're not celebrating movie making as a whole. Again, Galaxy's Edge is not a Star Wars theme park. It is a separate planet that has nothing to do with movie making and props and sets that is a real working place. Same thing with, you know, even um, even some of the areas just outside by where Muppet Vision is and Grand mm -hmm. Avenue is. There's nothing that's sort of telling you other than maybe the facades and places like the sci-fi dine and theater that this has that studio theme. And I'm wondering, you know, what is what are Disney's plans three, five, ten years down the road to sort of maybe continue down this trajectory? And if so, what does that name become? And maybe this is a question for you, Becky, and you, our friend who's sitting with us. The Disney's Hollywood Studios name was announced, I, God, it's got to be five years ago or so. I don't remember what expo it was. What would I'll you change together. the name to and why, right? What yeah. would you change the name of Disney's Hollywood Studios to and why? And I'll and post this in the clubhouse. Go to www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can post your 
uh, answer there, or you can even call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. Make your argument, state your case. Let me hear (laughs) the passion in your voice, and we'll see how right you might be if and when the name does change. Again, after WandaVision, I'm not making any predictions at this point. But (laughs) but then again, um, you have Galaxy's Edge sitting there, but you also have Toy Story Land too, which takes it into a whole nother realm. So it's almost like a park that doesn't right now have a thread that really takes it in any one direction. So not right now. I think it's more of the immersive storytelling that you are not peeking behind the curtain to see how movies are made. You are now being picked up and dropped right into, into the, movie. the story. You yeah. are in Andy's backyard. You are a visitor <clears throat> to Batu. You are inside this creepy old haunted uh, hotel. You know, and I think that is going to continue to. Mm-hmm be the evolution you are riding with mickey and minnie and and goofy through this animated adventure you're not figuring out how it's done so i think that is that sort of shifting in the perspective as a guest of what we are seeing and what we are doing and i think what guests expectations are we are we no longer want i believe not to speak for the populace of the earth but we no longer necessarily want just passive experiences we want things where we are not just watching a story but we want to help craft and shape the story for ourselves yeah that takes you down that that whole path of um like we keep mentioning the walkthrough experience for marvel in china that we went through or that i can't get out of my mind that still is somebody <laughs> Every time we me. talk we talk about that I because know. it was so good Somebody asked me the other day, I I was being interviewed by somebody and they said, what is the number one attraction you've ever been on? And that was the one I actually kept coming back to. And it was a temporary one at that. But once we get rid of this whole Marvel thing, um, well, I I guess they are kind of pointing to that. If you're looking at Adventure Campus, it's the same thing. You're walking into it or Cars Land, you're walking into that story. So it would be cool if that, if Hollywood Studios does become the land of walking into a story or walking into the movie. That's incredibly cool. Yeah, and I think I think we're seeing that not just in that part, but we're seeing it elsewhere as well with attractions wow. that are even recently opened and ones that are being built. Uh, we want to be – look, and I think Tron is a great example. We uh-huh. want to be the guy riding the light cycle, and that's exactly what you're going to do. Yeah, and how about – I don't know. It would be great if any Imagineers are listening. It would be cool if you could have the walk on to the date with Thor – attraction you that would what? be you gotta fantastic. stop making it weird you, you know what you were <laughs> heading down a good path and then i'm gonna move on to a question okay. from michael but i do want to hear people's thoughts about the name for for disney's hollywood a potential future name for disney's hollywood studios but michael johnson has a question and says so we're having a debate on the spaceship earth narrators i know Ooh. Dame Judi Dench, Jeremy Irons, who he says is the best, and classic Walter Cronkite. But who else? I was thinking there were only four, and I thought Vic Perrin was the fourth, but I've seen some places that it, that it's Lawrence Dobkins. You know a lot about Disney, do I? And can you answer the riddle? I can with an asterisk, and, and I'm going to help walk you through this. So Quick little bit of Disney history. Obviously, Spaceship Earth opens in 1982. It was sponsored by Bell Systems, which became AT&T, and then it was Siemens. 
and then um, there was a there was changes in sponsorships here and there. But over time, there have been. You were right. There were four different narrators. Uh, Larry Dobkin was from eighty two to eighty six. Cronkite was until 94, Jeremy Irons was 94 to 2007, and Dame Judi Dench is the current narrators. Now, until recently, um, and you mentioned the name Vic Perrin, until recently, it was pretty widely, and I think, you know, you I don't want to say universally accepted, because there's always been debate, that Vic Perrin was the original narrator of the ride. And the problem is, is that there's not a lot of audio or video, at least available to us, of the original narrator and being able to tell exactly who it was. So Vic Perrin was a uh, a radio host and he was a film and TV actor. Um, it, the, only, the only thing that else that you might know Vic Perrin for was uh, And the Outer Limits, he was the control voice, and I know I'm dating myself because Outer Limits was like from the 60, uh, like 62 to 65, somewhere around there. But he was also, so Vic Perrin was also in, because here's going to be the common thread. He was also in um, Star Trek. Uh, he was what? a number of different Star Trek episodes. And the 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 one that I recognize him most for was in The Changeling. He was the voice of Nomad, that silver space probe, which looks a little bit like an IG-88 without arms or legs. So (laughs) Vic Perrin was the voice of Nomad. However, back in 2008, um, former head of Imagineering, the late Marty Sklar, uh, changed that acceptance that Vic Perrin was the narrator in an interview that he gave where he said that, I don't know where, he said basically... I don't understand why people keep crediting Vic Perrin to the role because the, the the voice actor who did it was Larry Dobkin. And I know this for a fact because the interview that he did that on was with me back on show <laughs> thir- number 35. Wow. Like, literally 600 episodes ago. Um, <laughs> That's hot tub Epcot's- time machine stuff right there. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so, yeah, as part of Epcot's 25th and – Larry Dobkin, uh, Larry Dobkin, same thing, was a radio and TV performer going way, way back to like the golden age of radio. He also was in Star Trek. If you remember um, Charlie X, he was also in Next Generation and a couple episodes there. So even though, so Marty said that there, I believe he said it in his one little spark book or another book or at a D23 Expo afterwards as well but still there seems to be this ongoing discussion and debate <laughs> like is it Perrin is it Go- Dobkin look Marty says Dobkin I go with go Marty, Marty. Yep. I'm gonna stick with Marty <laughs> as my source um you know it's not one of those I'm not the, like the meme of the guy sitting at the table with the sign I'm saying Dobkin fight me on it I, I have no skin in the game <laughs> one way or the other I would look I would love the question to be answered definitively you know which I think it has been. I mean, if Marty says that's what it is, that's what I'm gonna gonna go with, barring yeah. evidence to the to the contrary. Yeah, I have no skin in that game, so I'm just gonna go. Marty's always right. That's yeah. that's gonna be. But let me ask you a question though: If you had a choice of who the another narrator would be, who would you want to uh, hear take okay. that role? So <clears throat> you've got obvious choices. You've got Morgan Freeman. That's my um, list. 
Christopher Walken. Like, how good would Ooh, Christopher Walken oh my be? God. Like, narrating Spaceship. And I really, really, really want to do my bad Christopher Walken. Oh, but please do. I can't. And I will. Oh, no, please, because it'll go viral. That'll, that'll make this show go viral. If you, it's like, this is the one where he actually did it. Gosh, I when I or stop sing something. No. <laughs> I'm going to sing as Christopher Walken. Um, you know, I think this is another one of those difficult things, Becky, because no matter sometimes who you choose, unless it's Morgan Freeman, some people are going to love it and some people are going to go, well, why didn't you choose X? Uh, why oh, didn't you choose James Earl Jones is up there. Patrick Stewart would I be I thought Patrick Stewart, amazing. but I'm like, you know, it's... Well, you were saying Star Trek, so I was right. I had to go there for a moment. And I, I love Patrick accent. Stewart. And so Patrick Stewart was was in my mind as well, too. But I said, oh, maybe we want to sort of get, you know, I was like, oh, maybe we'll go to an American voice actor. Maybe we want to have somebody or even with a different, you know, from a, a different background with one of those incredibly recognizable voices. I Like, there, again, there is, there are so many perfect choices and there are no perfect choices <laughs> in, in terms of who do you choose. This might be another question. I'll post this one in the clubhouse. There you too. go. Who would you select as the narrator, the next narrator for Spaceship Earth, because we know Spaceship Earth is getting a refurb. It was pushed back because of COVID and everything else that's going on. We don't know exactly the timing of when that's going to happen, but let's assume for argument's sake, um, just because I don't like the Phoenician line, that we, that we get a new script and we get a new narrator, <laughs> who would you choose? And if you call the voicemail and do an impression of oh, that wow. person, I will even be more impressed. Maybe I'll even send you a prize. See, now look, the, the Patrick Stewart line, though, can come because now X-Men are coming into the, the family fold. So that does make sense. I know, but we still like he can't do it as Professor X because we still <laughs> got that whole weird licensing nonsense going yeah. on. Well, but there, look, there, there's a ton of, of amazing <laughs> voice actors that could do it. Um, the Mandalorian would be good. <laughs> Angelina Jolie is coming up, too. So, you know, she's going to. Possibility. You mean because of the Marvel connection? Yeah. Well, then let's just make it Selma Hayek and be done with it. Then I was, I, <laughs> so I was waiting for that. I, yes, you, you took, took it, it, you ran with it, and now you're blushing. That's awesome. Christina Catch <laughs> says. Christina Catch says. Good morning from Boston. We spent time wandering in the Google. Why? Why spend time wandering in the Google when you can go straight to the guy that knows best? Or me, I'll be fine. Uh, I'll be visiting Savi's workshop in Walt Disney World to build my own and my first lightsaber. I'm sincerely hoping for a yellow kyber crystal as it is my favorite color and would be my perfect lightsaber look. I've heard that they exist. Do you know if yellow kyber crystals are in fact available at Galaxy's Edge? If so, are they available at Savi's during the build or at Doc Andras to buy separately Thank you. Take care. All the best, Christina, and may the Schwartz be with you. So, <laughs> yes, uh, yellow kyber crystals are available. And for those of you who are wondering what sort of weird foreign lang language we're speaking about, yeah, kyber crystals in the Star Wars universe are these crystals that basically give lightsabers their powers. Uh, in the Galaxy's Edge universe, they are a small crystal safe piece of plastic that is <laughs> equipped with RFID technology and come, they come in a variety of different colors, um, red, blue, green, purple, uh, white, black, and yellow. 
I know because my son went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, making me go get him a yellow one. Uh, the black one is rare. You can't sort of just walk in and buy the black one. The black one is sort of the mystery chaser one that will sometimes come in the red kyber crystal shell because you actually can't see the crystal. It's in this little, very cool little case that it, it comes with. So you can build your lightsaber in Savi's workshop and you have a choice of red, blue, green, or purple, but you can replace the crystal with a yellow one that you buy at Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquity, and you can put it either in your lightsaber or in one of the Jedi or Sith holocrons that you can also purchase at Doc's as well. And Becky, I'm going to beat you to the punch because I know where you're going. (laughs) Becky and I first visited uh, Galaxy's Edge Batu Black Spire Outpost in Disneyland when it opened. Becky wanted to build a lightsaber at Savi's workshop. I told you I wanted to wait to do it with my son, but Becky being Becky wanted to. So she made me build a red one and she's so thrilled seeing, see, you're evil. You built the red one. You're a he Sith. built the red one. He's a Sith. He, he used to have seen the joy on his face when he built the Sith um, the, the, the Sith lightsaber. And and you almost tried to kill me with it. I remember it took over because your soul. Because you made me build a Sith lightsaber. Exactly. <laughs> That's, that is a story that I love it when you tell it because the way you tell it is certainly not true. So eventually <laughs> I, I get to tell my, the real truth. Oh, uh, listen, I did cry when I did look, when I took my son <laughs> to build it in Walt Disney world <clears throat> and he and I went in and I, I, even to this day, get choked up as I think about it because I was there for no other reason to watch him. And the unadulterated joy on his face and the kid was just enthralled and totally bought into the experience. Mm-hmm. And, and he was 14 at the time. That alone was worth the $200 price tag. And I, and I, and Becky, we both said this from the very beginning. You are not buying a lightsaber no you're buying the you are you're yes you are getting that as your takeaway token and it is yours and is customized and it has got heft and weight to it and the blade and the sheath and all these things and the noise and the kyber but you are paying for that experiences and and if you are able to do so um financially and otherwise and i understand that it is a, is a pricey experience but if you are able to do it and if you are a star wars fan or a parent or want to gift this as something to somebody that you love or care about um, it is one of the best experiences i have ever had just watching in walt disney world oh my gosh i remember when that was an option for us and i looked at it and i went do i really need a 200 dollars lightsaber really do i am i really gonna spend that kind of money on this thing and he said yes as a matter of fact i need and, two of them <laughs> again because i wanted to make sure that you had the experience so you could build the skill saber all on your own so because i knew you wouldn't do it on your on your own i knew you, literally you whispered do- to my ear like listen lou i need two of them i need you to come <laughs> with me I had to make sure that you had a good excuse to go ahead and take advantage of the situation. Otherwise, you'd be no, no, no. I'm, I'll just stand over here in the corner. That's what Big I was going to do. Starware freak is going to just stand exactly, which Nicholas, I couldn't let I'm you do that. To wait for you. Couldn't let. Oh, geez. Becky made me do so, it. I'm going to get a shirt. <gasps> I'm going to put on T Public a shirt that says Becky made me do it. Oh my god! Because I could wear that a lot of places. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's like the 404 error on your on your website that still comes up that says that it was my fault. Yeah, I, I do run into those every once in a while still. My fault. But I, I, I was really happy that you finally stepped up and accepted your role as a Sith as you put it together and you were happy and you were smiling. And then we walked outside and I looked at my, my lightsaber. I'm thinking, okay, while I didn't need a $200 lightsaber, I needed that experience. It was amazing to put it together and to create this thing. And immediately, all of a sudden, I had a lightsaber across my neck. And um, <laughs> apparently, you know, it, it took over your soul for a moment and then it let you go after a little while. But it was such a wonderful experience. And like you said, if you can afford it, yeah. if it's something that you want to do as a fan, I highly encourage people to to take advantage of the opportunity. Treat yourself, gift yeah. it to somebody else and you can so the way and i believe it still is the case uh if you you know one person can participate in the experience but one person can go along with them so if you do want to watch i i highly suggest that you videotape it just because it not for for to to publish it because i think there are some surprises that should stay surprises but so that you have that shared memory recorded right um is wonderful yeah yeah all right. Uh, Anthony Mazella says, hey, Lou, hope you are doing well. On an episode I listened to recently, you mentioned that you were aware of a location at the Contemporary where there's a photo of Walt, where there's a photo of Walt walking when everything was still just dirt. So I'm curious to know where that location is relative to what has been built today. Thank you. So, Anthony, I, I now I understand what you're asking. So it, there's no photo at this location, but there is a famous photo of Walt Disney and some of the Imagineers and engineers walking the property that would eventually become Walt Disney World back in um, the the mid sixties, uh, obviously before Walt passed, uh, because obviously you know the the park had opened so much later. But Walt, you know, we talk about Disneyland being where Walt walked, and there are some places in Walt Disney World. Obviously, Walt did land here and and did walk a lot of the property, um, even you know, later on as uh, before he passed. And there is a photo of Walt um, in this, what central Florida basically is, is this, you know, murky, mushy sort of, you know, swampy land, like here, right area (laughs) with this lake off in the distance. And by putting photos together, uh, it's been estimated that that photo was taking where Disney's contemporary resort currently stands and by taking that and other photos i think we have figured out pretty much where that spot is so if you want to stand where walt walked and sort of match up sort of where that picture was and and obviously you can't sort of match it up exactly but if you go out the back of disney's contemporary resort and you look at the dock and there's the um the sandbar grill there if you make a left and start walking excuse me towards Bay Lake Tower, uh, as close as you can to the lakeside. There is a concrete walking path there. There's even a couple of chairs. And at one point you walk upon and there's a small section of uh, like beachfront where you can't actually access the beach, but there's a corner there with a fence. That, by my estimation, seems to be that corner where the concrete meets the beach is as close as I've been able to approximate to where that photo of Walt was taken. So I have stood there in my little heart of hearts. I'm standing where Walt walked, or at least some 
close representation of it. So if you do want to sort of have that moment for yourself, that is where you can go. Wow. I, I had, I've seen the photo, but I didn't realize that people had figured out where it actually was. So that's kind of cool. It, it would be neat. So go ahead. I was going to say, it would be neat. It's, it's like that really magical feeling for lack of a better word when you do get in Disneyland and you're, if you're lucky enough to be up in the apartment and looking out the window that where he stood and watch people in the park or just watch walking through the castle and knowing that you're literally walking in his steps, um, knowing that there's a, the same type of opportunity in Walt Disney world. That's, that's really cool. I, I know that I am not alone when I say that the first time I stepped foot into Disneyland. I happened to be by myself. I was waiting for friends who had a later flight. And the first time I stepped on Main Street, there was a a choke in my throat. And I'm sure I felt that single tear fall down the side of my face simply because of that fact. And I don't, and I think you listening possibly, probably, hopefully understand, or at least I'm not laughing out loud at me because I think a lot of us understand that. We understand the impact of the first time in the park and what this man meant, what this place represents beyond it being a quote-unquote just a theme park. Uh, And that's why I had such an emotional reaction to it. And I think that's why Anthony wants to know where that spot is because he wanted to have that same type of feeling here in Walt Disney World, not the same one. You know, you could walk on Main Street in Disneyland and know Walt literally walked there. You can find pictures of Walt, you know, hanging out on a garbage can talking to kids and recreate that exact same location where it's obviously much more difficult here in in Florida. See, see, Walt ate on garbage cans too, just like us. So it was actually perfect. And and one of the reasons I'm sitting here giggling and you're you're talking about this wonderful emotional thing and I I I'm physically giggling and I can't help it is because I keep thinking of you and Walt's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you want to tell that story. I but... have no problem. Listen, I am, I am not embarrassed or ash- I I'm proud of this story to a certain degree. So I'm I'm lovingly looking out the window going and and Walt looked out the, this exact window to see people in his park and what did Lou do? Listen, so let's just put it in context. So years uh-huh. ago, we were on an Adventures uh, at WW Radio Group Adventures by Disney. I cannot wait for them to come back again soon. Stay tuned. <laughs> we were on an Adventures by Disney, and one of the surprises at the time was that you were able to visit Walt's apartment in Disneyland. So it's one of those surprise and delight moments. Nobody knows <laughs> that it's coming. And in small groups, you go up to Walt's apartment, which for all intents and purposes, looks exactly the way it did back in the 60s and you walk in and there's photos of Walt and Lillian and there's the chair and there's the cookie jar and you know the little sandwich maker and obviously you go right to the lit lamp in the window not this guy I wanted to go where the real magic happened because we all know that Walt probably didn't do his best thinking on that little couch in that room with Lillian and the kids running around. No, I walked right into the bathroom and I sat <laughs> with the lid down where Walt sat. Thank you for, thank you for, for establishing <laughs> right. that detail. Because I sat where Walt sat and I was like, 
Like this is where the match. <laughs> this is where the real ideas came from. Now, my understanding is that since that time, it has been roped off, and you can clearly. No I, I wonder why. It's most likely because that Mangello character went in there and had to sit on the toilet. It was so. not off limits. I didn't do anything I wasn't supposed to <laughs> right. do, but I, exactly. I did. I wanted to sort of see. Look, I I did. I wanted to. I, I wasn't a joke. I wanted to sort of be where Walt really was. Like I wanted to see not just the, the quote unquote onstage area where he met with friends and, and, you know, sat and had coffee and, and chili and sandwiches and things. I, I wanted to see where Walt lived. I wanted to get the sense of, of where Walt lived and, and seeing that bathroom that was so locked in time and still remains that way. Locked mm-hmm. in time was really neat to see. So um, I, I yep. went there for inspiration. <laughs> and we- <laughs> And now we've come full circle on all the ways that you can, you know, walk in Walt's footsteps. <laughs> all right. So, Becky, I'm picking this next one out because I see you addressed specifically in the Uh-oh. very first words. It says, hi, Lou and Becky. And this comes. And also there's another word. No question mark. There no, was no, no question, qu- mark? Oh. question mark. But there's a, to- a word in the title. That uh-huh. may, I'm like, well, this is clearly in Becky's wheelhouse because this is from Christina Heaton and it says, hey, Lou and Becky. Be nice. And the title says Dark Kingdom, myth wow. or truth. <laughs> and I just want to know where Christina is going with this. Okay. Christina says, hey, Lou and Becky. I'm a longtime Disney fan and longtime fan of the show. You're a friend, not a fan. My qu- uh, I love the listener email shows, but this is my oh, first hey. time writing in with a question. My question today is this. I recently read online that Disney was considering a park themed called Disney called Dark Kingdom that was going to be villain centered and would have had Maleficent's castle. Is this true or is it urban legend? And if it's true, it's true. How close did it actually come to happening? Please, Lou and Becky, I'd love if you could shed some light on this topic. Uh, this is super cool, and I know, and I will link in the show notes, I don't remember the exact number, but years ago, I did a show about, uh, I think it was like myths and legends or or on some unrealized Disney concepts, and we talk about this a little bit, but this whole specifically Dark Kingdom, so first of all, Becky, did you ever hear of Dark Kingdom? I've ever heard I of have heard of it, and I've heard both the myth and the legend and some of the realisms, but I would love to be educated because so, it sounds like a place that I would love. And exactly why <laughs> I picked this question, not even knowing where it was going. I heard dark and twisty, and this was right. So so let me I'll, I'll clear this up first. So the Dark Kingdom was something that was entirely made up by fans online that got legs – Many, many years ago, um, I mean, we're talking probably more than a decade ago that this really, especially on things like uh, discussion forums and even like Usenet news groups, really started to sort of pick up steam as becoming truth. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context first, uh, because I think this is where this started to come from, because in Tokyo Disneyland, there used to be a walkthrough experience called the Cinderella Castle the, the Cinderella Castle Mystery Tour that ran from like the mid 80s to the early 2000s. And it, um, it had the Black Cauldron, which like you never see anywhere in Disney. Like that's usually wow. like 
That's the movie that they don't talk about, but Black Cauldron and the Horn King and all that kind of stuff in there. And you took this walking tour through Cinderella's castle. And there was like this mystery tour that was more on the, um, the scary spirit side. It made me think of what we saw over in Hong Kong. Pinocchio. (laughs) Well, there was, it was a Pinocchio. um, There was a Pinocchio thing where his face turned into, it wasn't as scary, but like his face turned into Stromboli. There was an evil queen, like laboratory or something and Chernabog. So this was a very heavily villains focused um, night on bald mountain type of epic thing. And again, for some reason, I, I guess maybe Black Cauldron is is a little bit more beloved than it is here. And I think that started to spark rumors of this love and desire for something uh, villains-centric in the Disney theme parks. And there were a number of different iterations of what this rumored attraction, land, or even theme park. Like, they were, this was supposedly going to be, at the time, the fourth and then eventually... The fifth gate. Um, there was a rumor, and I, and I know we con- I know we talked about this on an, an earlier show. Um, we talked about the rumors of this bald mountain or fire mountain or villains mountain that was going to be built first in Magic Kingdom, um, and when we talk about where in uh, Fantasyland this would have been, and this basically would have been sort of where new fantasy land is now. It would almost would have been this gateway that you would go through from behind Cinderella castle into this area, um, sort of past where the, the aerial aerials grotto meet and greet. And at first it was going to be a single attraction. And then there was rumors of a, of a water flume ride. And then they were like, well, as long as we've got this, why don't we just make an entire land built around villains? And, it was almost going to be something like Becky, you know, from Tokyo Disney Sea, the Mermaid Lagoon section, where right. you'd almost sort of walk underground, and there would be this sort of, to use Beckyism, or this dark and twisty sort of villains-themed section. But this villain's mountain was going to be this giant centerpiece, much like maybe you know a Prometheus mountain in in Disney Sea would be and this would have been modeled after night on bald mountain and Hmm. there were rumors that this was something that you know this plane was in flight um that originally started from something that was built online to this rumored fifth gate that was going to be primarily villains themes which i never bought into because i think it's a not enough a big enough draw for a fifth gate which again the from a financial perspective is exponentially greater than just adding on a land or adding on a single attraction and i think maybe not everybody's into villains there might be a fear of a fear of fear you know for younger kids maybe wanting to have something that was villain centric but um the the discussion of this um this dark kingdom i think came from this idea or this original concept for this villain's mountain that just as the internet is wont to do, uh, <laughs> gets a life of their own. Look, to use your WandaVision thing, you know, we all were convinced <laughs> what WandaVision was going to look like at the end. And it was nothing other than the fun that we had trying to put Creating together our, it, own, our own story. Yeah. We absolutely did. 
Wow. And and that has so much potential, though. I mean, as you're talking about it, I'm whipping it up in my head of what it would look like and starting to think about uh, Tokyo Disney Sea with the um, with the volcano. I mean, you, you've got that piece in there and it really would be cool to have something of that nature that was dark and twisty and the villains pieces, because uh, just look how popular Halloween is during that time. And all of the, the dark, scary ish things that kind of come out of the woodwork, especially if you're looking at not so much Disney world, but um, over in Disneyland where they definitely take Halloween a little bit more to the dark and twisty side than you do see over in Walt Disney world where it's not so scary. Uh, I, I think there's clearly an appetite for it. If, and, and people would believe that it was actually going to occur because people are whipping themselves in a frenzy and coming up with great ideas and how cool it would be to walk through that experience. It'd be great. Yeah. It's, it's, and this is something that comes up, again every few years as sort of the next big rumor, whether it's the fifth gate here in Walt Disney World, uh, an expansion to different parts of different parks, um, you know, what what might what might be elements of, there's been also rumors over the last couple of years of elements of Beastly Kingdom and some of the attractions that were, were very much flushed out there being rethemed to something villains and then being incorporated somewhere else into one of the other parks um what you start to run into now is space being an issue right. um, in terms of where and how can you possibly <laughs> expand certain parks or certain lands outward to give them some additional space uh, i know that there's some room uh behind pandora for a for another attraction that i think is going to be a water themed pandora attraction obviously nothing villains theme would fit into animal kingdom i think you're really locked into magic kingdom or Disney's Hollywood Studios and and See. is there enough room currently behind New Fantasyland? Probably not to to build something of that scale, but I think this begs an interesting question is if there was what do you think of the idea of a villains themed attraction, a villains themed land or even a villains themed park? What would that interest you? Um and if so, on what level of those three scales would you like to see? Well, if you look at the amount of people who really, really, really want Mr. Toad back and you're going to hell and Mr. Toad, <laughs> you're talking about well, earlier, we, we were discussing um, places that, that you would walk into to be part of that experience in Hollywood Studios, having some sort of more dark villains um, realm would be actually really cool to to experience. Well, and it just made me think, judging by the popularity, and I went a couple of times pre-COVID, obviously, uh, for the Di – I forgot about the Disney Villains After Hours in oh, Magic right. Kingdom, which right. was nothing – and I don't – it's not to take away from when I say it, when it's nothing more than – it was this After Hours party themed after Disney Villains, which had a much more – edgier feel almost a little bit more of an adult-ish feel for cool. it, that it was sort of <laughs> calm down <laughs> meaning almost geared more towards older kids teenagers <laughs> and adults there was almost like a nightclub vibe to it around magic kingdom but the lighting the 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 characters that were there the theming that was there was maybe the first dipping of the toe into the waters to see if there was any interest in that it was a very popular uh, uh, um, party that I hope that they bring back and I think that they will bring back in a post-COVID 
type of world. But I want to know, and I think this is a very interesting question um, and a very informal survey in terms of interest in a villain-themed attraction, land, or even a fifth gate. Um, and yeah. play a little armchair Imagineer. Have some fun with it. Um, you know, share an idea that you have for what you think it might be. Again, it's a great thing to call the voicemail on 407-900-9391. You can share your idea there of what you would like to see for a villains-themed attraction, land, or even park. Uh, and maybe we'll chat about this on this week's Wednesday night live show. We'll talk ah. about the idea of a villains theme. So come on to the live show Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at WW Radio Live. It's on Facebook. Grab a snack, sit back, relax, and be part of the conversation and community. And I think that's a great way to wrap up this week's episode of the of the inbox obviously we have a lot more to get through but these are always fun and i love sort of being able to uh have fun with some of with playing uh, uh flexing our creative muscles as it were while also helping people plan their next walt disney world vacation because as i keep saying and i believe this that now is the time now is the best time to come it still is the safest happiest most magical place that i have been since all of this started and if and when you are ready to come or if you have questions about coming you can reach out to becky and her team who will help you do just that yeah and one thing i will tell you really quickly is if you're planning on going to walt disney world especially come september october november and anytime in 2022 don't think that you shouldn't be booking it now because it's really amazing. You, you might hear a lot of people talking about pent up demand for travel because so many of us have been locked in uh, in quarantine and haven't been able to leave. Like, I don't know, me. <laughs> a lot of people are looking forward to traveling and catching up on those lost trips. So we're seeing um, prices go up because of um, of lower availability because People are booking stuff farther and farther in advance. And as a matter of fact, even the cruise lines are now not, not Disney yet, but other cruise lines are opening up itineraries right now for 2023 wow. because people are booking so much in advance. Um, if you are even thinking about being at Walt Disney World for the, the second part, uh, again, September through the end of the year in 2021, you need to be thinking about that now because the hotels are already booking up and um, prices, availability, and park reservations are getting a little bit more uh, harder to, to get your hands on. They're still open now, but I can just see if you're thinking that you can wait till a month out or so, you may not want to to wait that long. So we're here to help you. We can obviously do Disney world uh, and Disney cruise line is booking to 2022. Uh, we can also uh, shortly, we should have more adventures by Disney and Lou, you and I have a lot to talk about in, in getting our groups back up and running. I, we are closer now to traveling again than we've been in the past year. And I have a lot of exciting ideas and things to move forward. Um, and as always, I'm always available on Facebook Messenger if you have any questions. I love, love, love answering people's questions. So if you, uh, and that's, that's why I need to do more email shows, by the way, Lou, that would be awesome. And I'm also, I'm also happy if you can't reach Becky on Messenger, I'm also happy to give you her home phone number or address if you would like that Certainly, as well. Certainly come pop on in because right now I would love to see a face that's <laughs> not my husband. Because, and you know what, <laughs> Becky, you just made me think of something. Listen, <laughs> what? 
we were talking about you know planning upcoming trips and vacations. Um, you want to watch Becky freak out? Watch this. <laughs> oh, so stay tuned this week because we are oh, going to share information about no, we're upcoming, not <laughs> about our upcoming WWE Radio Marvel Day at Sea Cruise. We might in 2022. <laughs> I'm, Marvel I, Day. It's, listen, I can't wait to get back on the ship. I can't either. You know, Becky, that and you and. Stop giving me the, the the evil Chernabog look. We have been talking extensively <laughs> behind the scenes about planning and making that happen with each other and with Disney. And we're going to have some details coming soon. So if you would love to join us uh, and get back or get on to Disney Cruise Line again, stay tuned uh, because we're going to have information about a Marvel Day at Sea Cruise so leaving excited. out of Miami in early, early 2022. So excited. It, it, it's time to get back to normal and I need to travel. I need to, I need to be on the inside of a plane. I need, I'm happy to stand in a TSA line for an hour. I'm, I'm good to go. I just need, I think I forgot how to pack. Uh, listen, <laughs> I just want to get, I want to get back on the cruise again. I know, um, me too. You know, I cannot wait. And, and we've, and I've said in the past, you know, the Marvel day at sea cruise, other than Alaska, because of the destination, but the Marvel Day at Sea Cruise has been my favorite cruise I have ever taken, uh, and especially now with all the Marvel goodness that's happened, that's happening on places like Disney Plus and coming it back into theaters, yeah. uh, and all the extra special stuff that we do for people that cruise in our group. Uh, there's a lot to be excited for, so stay tuned. Uh, information coming very. The more varies, I say, the more worried Barry Becky gets, but very, very, very soon. <laughs> Seriously, I was like, yay! <laughs> I can't wait to get out, back out in the water. Um, I miss cruising so much. And and imagine, I mean, this is a year after we had initially planned it and what they were doing for Marvel Day at Sea at that point. Imagine what they'll add to it now. With yeah, all we the, the storylines. We, we yeah. were supposed to go uh, in January for our Marvel yep. Day at Sea cruise. So we're going to be uh, excited for it more than ever. Exactly. And Thor's going to be there. <laughs> so you got that going for you. Ooh. And you made it weird. Of course. But, I mean, think about this. You know what I'm happy about right now? What makes me so incredibly excited? Apollo? For right now. Besides Apollo. And <gasps> strawberry soup. Just FYI. The fact that we just did a show that mentioned you almost doing an impression of Christopher Walken. Um, Louis the Sith, Selma Hayek, and and Walt's bathroom, all in one show. Good night, everybody. It's like the greatest hits right there. How'd you know? Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week. Why invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see a way you pay attention to the details. Or maybe I'll even ask you to identify where in Disney you may have heard a song, sound, or quote. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. This week's trivia contest is brought to you by Fun.com. If you visit www.radio.com slash fun, you can save on toys, collectibles, clothing, home and office goods, and lots more. There's something for everybody and every age from Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, Funko, you name it. Incredible selection, great customer service, quick and secure shipping as well. Whether you're looking for a gift for yourself 
like me, or for somebody else, you can save 15% on your first order when you sign up for their newsletter just by visiting www.radio.com fun. Before we get to this week's trivia question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I asked you to identify where in Walt Disney World you heard this phrase. Hey, Mom, what if I just float away? And then Mom replies, then your father will get to you as soon as he manages to get your shoe. Now, if you're not sure exactly where you may have heard this from, maybe hearing the actual recording might help you. What is it, Tommy? Look, Mom, I'm flying. Why don't you try it? I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Don't let go of Napoleon. We don't want to lose him. Hey, Mom, what if he just floats away? He won't. Hey, Mom, what if I just float away? Then your father will get you as soon as he manages to get your shoe. Did that help? Or did you already know that that is from the now-extinct attraction Horizons? If you remember the gravity simulation room on the space station, there's the floating puppy scene or the hey mom scene as the dialogue exchanged between the boy who's floating around in space, obviously without his shoe, and mom and the poor dog Napoleon. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were playing for a prize package that includes my brand new Disney interviews book, my 102 Ways to Save Money for an At Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours, a WW Radio new mug, and a brand new WW Radio pin, which are very cool. you got to check these out. Not available anywhere else, just like the mug, other than a prize package. So that's 10. Count them, 10. I didn't even realize. You get 10 different prizes this week. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Anne McClellan. So Anne, congratulations you use the form, I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week, I'm going to keep it short and sweet and simple for you, because all you need to do is tell me, on what attraction do you ride in an XP-37 ride vehicle? So there is, or was, an attraction in Walt Disney World in which your ride vehicle was known as an, or is known, as an XP-37. All you need to do is tell me what attraction that is. You have until Sunday, March 14th at 11.59 p.m. Again, to win the entire Disney prize package, all you need to do is go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for spending and sharing your time with me. Don't forget that if you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show, you can just email me, lou at www.radio.com. And please make sure to weigh in on our great movie ride and villains questions in the clubhouse that is our community on Facebook. Come be part of the family and the conversation by going to www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. Call the voicemail. Be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. And don't forget to join me this and every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WW Radio Live. It's my live video broadcast on Facebook. Each week, we'll talk about this week's podcast. I'll share my top five live, my Disney Plus pick of the week, as well as your questions, your comments, and anything you would like to talk about, including as we wrap up 
WandaVision and start looking forward to things like Falcon and Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. Again, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, WW Radio Live. Be sure to like the WW Radio page on Facebook as well as join the clubhouse and turn on notifications everywhere so you don't miss a thing. Speaking of family, I'd like to thank all the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation family. I sincerely appreciate your friendship and your love and your support of the show and your help. And I also love being able to give back to you each month with monthly scavenger hunts, care packages from Walt Disney World, t-shirts, backpacks, stickers, lots more. I want to thank some of the new and longtime member of the Nation family, including Hillary Parsons, Amanda from Pixie Dusted Days, Crystal Hudson, Julie Witsit, Holly Beamer, and Ann Fisher. If you'd like to find out how you can help to support the show for as little as a dollar per month, you can visit www.radionation.com. Also, don't forget that a portion of your completely optional proceeds do go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Now, you do so much to help me. I would like to return the favor and help you. So if there's any way that I can help you, either with one-on-one coaching, being part of our weekly mastermind group, we have one spot left, or coming to speak to your business, your conference, or your school, virtually or in person, you can visit lumangelo.com. I would love to help you turn what you love into what you do, your dream into your reality, and help you sort of move the needle on whether it is your idea, your business, your blog, your podcast, your product, your service, whether it's online or brick and mortar, again, visit lumangelo.com. Thanks again to Becky from Mouse Fan Travel. Don't forget to get a free no-obligation quote. You can visit mousefantravel.com. If you're looking for some WW Radio logo gear, show your support for the show, as well as hundreds of designs of Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and pop culture shirts, you can visit www.radio.com slash shirts. And finally, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, and I hope soon we can meet in person if we haven't. All I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. There's lots of different ways you can do it. One way is by just sharing a link to this or your favorite episode on social and your favorite Facebook group or Twitter or Pinterest. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It's incredibly helpful. Takes just a couple of seconds. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Walt Disney Art Lover, who said the show is good, wholesome fun for all types of Disney fans. If you're needing your Walt Disney World fix, you've come to the right place. Such a fun variety of shows that are both informative and memorable. They'll treat you like as one of his closest friends through every episode. and You feel like you're there chatting about Disney with them, because you are, and we are. Joni708 says, Awesome show. Lou never fails to give us an informative and entertaining podcast. Always enjoy your special guests. And yeah, 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 yeah. I think I had enough yas in the air. That's the name says perfect in every way. I love all the creative topics you come up with, Lou. You're truly a great person. And I wish you best of luck with this podcast and life in these crazy times. I'm a new listener. Welcome. And definitely won't quit listening. Bye for now. Thank you. Walt Disney art lover, Joni 718 and yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to find out how to leave a review, just search for WW Radio in Apple Podcasts or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes with a link and instructions. Finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I cannot tell you how much you mean to me and how much your sharing of time and your attention. I know it is so very limited, and the fact that we get to spend it together does not get lost on me. I am grateful every single day. If there's some way that I can repay you for that, uh, please, by all means, let me know. I hope to see you this Wednesday night on the live show, and I hope that today and tomorrow and every day, You choose the good, 
you have the power to find the good in everything that you do, in every one that you encounter, and to pay that forward, right? To be the good and make positive choices and decisions because I promise you, positivity is contagious. And we could all use a little or a lot of that right now. I love you and I appreciate you. And I hope that this really is your best week ever. So until next time, see ya. Hello, it's Marciano. I uh, I sent you an email actually last week, but I was calling today because, uh, well, I was listening to podcast number 593 specifically. Um, well, for, first of all, I just wanted to thank you for everything that you've been doing. You've been a great podcast. I've grown to listen to quite a few of them in a relatively short amount of time. I just found it last month, and I'm sure I've already watched like a hundred of them and, uh, and counting. But, um, yeah, so I saw podcast number 593, and that being the, the one with the villains, uh, first of all, I agree with you, uh, Frollo is simply the, the best, most evil, uh, not Turnabog character out of uh, all of them. But when you spoke about Lady Tremaine, that, that resonated with me on very much of a deep level because, uh, I'm a victim of child abuse myself and, uh, you know, I had a not, not so great first few years with, with my biological father. Um, but watching that film, I guess, definitely stuck with me. And I'm glad that you highlighted what you did about exactly, you know, what makes Lady Tremaine who she is. And that kind of what led me to thinking about other things. Um, there's another character that I know doesn't really get brought up a lot for pretty much anybody's top 10 Disney villains. But I think there's a little more to really look at and let it sink in than... Uh, People say it's another one of those terrifying because of how realistic they are kinds of characters. That being Sykes from Oliver and Company, um, because he seems generic and, and bland by by a lot of means for a lot of people. You know, he he's just kind of there and intimidating and, and stuff. He doesn't even get a song, um, which you know a lot of the villains, not everyone, but a lot of them do get songs to at least give them something to stand out, if nothing else. But for me, it was always just combining his sheer size with his uh, his standing, you know, this uh, mob boss gangster t- type of guy. Bacon owes him money, and the simple fact of, the, of just how far he's willing to go to get his hands on uh, Jenny's family fortune to the point where he unquestionably puts this little girl's life on the line, holding her for ransom. And he's not even thinking twice about who he has to kill to get this family fortune. That they showed so much of that in that detail, I think, really speaks a lot in a way. For the- hey, this is Bruce from Brooklyn. I just want to leave a comment about your solo dining podcast. That one time eating at Crystal Palace by myself, I went up to get more food. I came back to my table, and they cleared my table. They had to come back with more utensils, drinks, and everything like that. Just uh, Ever since then, when I go eat solo, I always leave my baseball cap on the table, so I just say, no, I'm still there, and I'm still eating. Bye. 
Hey, Lou, this is Beth from Brooklyn, New York. Um, just got back on Wednesday from a fabulous trip um, down to the world. Um, got to meet Laurie and Darlene at Animal Kingdom, which is cool. And I got to see baby Grace, who's doing great, popping her brother on the head and stuff. And, of course, little Ranger, who is too cute for words. Um, but, yeah, it was a solo trip, so did lots of solo dining, as I usually do. Um, I'm not one who does the communal stuff or the bar stuff. I'm a little too introverted for that. And it's actually my one thing that I don't like at Disney Cruise Line is that they don't have a way to guarantee you your own table, whereas, like, the lines that have my time dining, you can get your own table that way. It's just awkward um, But <laughs> when you're an introvert. But anyway, um while I was there this time, I ate at La Hacienda de San Andel, which was amazing. Um, I had Topolino's breakfast, which was great. Chef Mickey's breakfast was great. Skipper Canteen is always amazing. I'm gluten-free, um, and I don't eat seafood, so that kind of limits some choices. But at Skipper's, you can't beat the taste like chicken because it is because you can get it gluten-free, and which is amazing. I did not make it to Boathouse this time. I know, bad me. But um, that's definitely on my list for my birthday trip. Um, one of my fun things that I had one solo trip, I was eating at 1900 Park Fair for breakfast, and um, Tigger was there. One of the other Pooh characters was not there, so Tigger had taken his place. And I was sitting where I could see, like, kind of the little area where their door was, where they would go take their breaks and come back, and Tigger would keep poking his head out and playing with me, which was lots of fun. But, yeah, looking forward to my birthday trip in July, where I am staying at, drumroll please, the Riviera. My theme for the trip was Becky and Jackie are always right. And, um, yeah, when I went to Topolino's and walked around or went to, yeah, Topolino's, I walked around Riviera and, um, I was like, yeah, I'm changing my resort to Riviera. So I'm going to stay in one of the tower studios, just me. So why not? Um, but yeah, and maybe we can meet up, say hi, whatever at some point when I'm there in July for my 50th. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Lou. Saying hi again. It's Marlisa. I have listened to both your episodes of Illusions in the Magic Kingdom, and I want to go back. I know we just went to Disney about a week ago, and I want to go back again because I want to, like, look at all the different um, different things that you talked about um, and different illuminations and things like that. I, I am so excited. So thanks again for these episodes. They were wonderful. Have a good day. Bye. Humans will put seeds in the ground, pour water on them, and they grow food like pizza. 